Welcome to another edition of the Go Knows Podcast. I'm your host, Gregory McCoy. This podcast is by a fan for fans. I am not a journalist. I am not a reporter. I am not an insider. I do not work for a website. The majority of my content comes from me, in my opinion. Other information comes from the internet. Today is July the 11th, 2020. I got about five different segments here for this episode. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, leading off with today's episode, uh, first segment is entitled, Historically, Muscular Athletes Are Not Very Athletic. And when I say muscular, um, I mean like, like, um, like bodybuilder, like, you know, uh, like the guys that do the, the pose downs on the stage or whatever, those kind of, that kind of muscular. We know football players lift weights, but historically they don't look like um, those guys. Um, it's a receiver up in Seattle and his name escapes me. He's probably the most athletic, muscular guy um, that I've ever seen be really athletic. And I'm trying to look up his name now. Uh, DK Metcalf. And immediately that picture comes up of him in the gym with some other guy. And he's like chiseled. But again, he's not like... Um, he, he doesn't look like a uh, one of those um, guys from the... Uh, you know, the muscular, the really, they're not, I'm not going to say muscular. He doesn't look like a bodybuilder. He looks like, he looks football muscular. And, um, you know, just historically, those really bodybuilder type players have not had success in the NFL. But, and, and just historically, most of your really great players have not been like weight room guys. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Randy Moss. Um, most of their talent just came naturally. Brett Favre, Joe Montana. Um, you know, uh, I know Emmitt Smith used to lift weights, but he wasn't like a, you know, a big time weight room guy. Barry Sanders. Um, you know these guys lift weights just to keep their strength up, but they were not like gym rats, you know, like this dude DK Metcalf. He probably works out three or four times a day to keep that physique. Um, so I'm not hating on the muscular guys. I mean, it's great that you go in the weight room and push up all that iron but I'm just saying historically your great athletes in this game don't have the DK Metcalf physique I mean it's just a fact um, Shannon Sharp was definitely a weight room guy um, um, back in the day they used to have that uh, workout supplement that was making people pass out or I forget what it was called. Creatine. Creatine. Back in the day, about 20 years ago. 
creatine was killing people. And, you know, he was Shannon Sharp, I, one of my favorite players all time. Um, you know, workout warrior. He was on that stuff. Because he used to do the commercials for it. Um, so, um, we'll see, man. Um, that's going to do it for that segment. Next segment is entitled, Why is the NFL Messing Up a Good Product? The whole moving the uh, extra point back, I, you know, it, it created drama. You know, you wanted to make the extra point more dramatic. I get it. But, I mean, and then you're changing. It was, uh, it was said that they wanted to change the playoff format. I don't know if they actually went through with that. I'm looking that up now. NFL officially expands playoff format in time for 2020 playoffs. The NFL has officially expanded its playoff format to 14 teams in time for the 2020 season. Starting with this upcoming season, the playoff field will expand from 12 to 14 teams, allowing one wildcard team from each conference. So I, I so the second seed is probably not going to have a bye now. Which, which is okay with me. I don't think the second seed deserves a bye. So, basically, it's going to be two versus seven. Um, three versus six. And four versus five. And only the one seed gets the bye week. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair, I guess. Um, but... And I, that that one game is probably going that one playoff game is probably going to generate billions and billions of dollars for the league. So that's really why they did it, just in just in commercial revenue. I mean, we're not even going to talk about like TV and you know everything like that. So, um, you know, just more money. That's all it's about, man. More money. So we'll see what happens. Um, but I just, you know, the extra point, the playoffs, I mean, what's next? You're going to widen the field? You're going to shrink the, uh, uprights for the, for, for field goals and extra points? I mean, you know, you're going to have a, a, a lion chasing the players during plays? I mean, what was, what's next? I mean, you're just tinkering with a, a great product. You know, how about you in how about you get rid of the salary cap? How about that? You know, do something, do something where teams can actually keep their players. You know, all this other crap is just you know, we wasting time, man. Alright, so uh that's gonna do it for that segment. Moving on to the Florida State stuff. Uh Charlie Ward. Playing in today's pro football, how would he fare? This this league, this NFL now is built for the Charlie Ward type player, the running quarterback. Michael Vick, Lamar Jackson, Steve McNair, um, 
Donovan McNabb, Cam Newton. Um, you know, it's it's when he came out, I don't think the NFL was ready to make that transition. Yeah, you still had uh I think Randall Cunningham was still in the league. Warren Moon was not a warm running quarterback. He was an actual running, I mean an actual drop back quarterback. Um but I think when Charlie Charlie Ward came out, the league just wasn't ready for that, for them to make that transition. I left out Russell Wilson when I was reeling off those quarterbacks. I think if Charlie Ward came out today, he would he would do very well. Because the league is set up for him. Now the one thing about Charlie Ward, he didn't have a cannon for an arm, but he was really accurate. Um, and his, his, um, I think he would have been great in the West Coast offense. Um, but it's just crazy that he never played in the NFL. Heisman Trophy winner. Went to the NBA and had a pretty good career as an NBA player. Um, Probably his most memorable moment is getting to into that fight with PJ Brown. But um I think if he if he was like I don't know time warped to this day here, I think he would do pretty good. Just my opinion. I'm not saying that because I'm a Florida State guy, I just I'm looking at the player. So uh, let me know what you think about that segment. Um, next segment is entitled, Can the Offensive Line Go From Worst in Power 5 to Middle of the Pack? I'm going to say no. Uh, who have they added besides a new coach and maybe a graduate transfer to make you think that they're going to make this, you know, you, it's 130-something teams in um, well, we're talking just Power 5. So in Power 5, you're talking about maybe 80 teams, 60 teams, 70 teams. So you're going to make a 30, 40-team jump to the middle of the Power 5. I just don't see it, man. I, I think you can improve enough to go 7-5, and 8-4. and four. And it just depends on when your offensive line sucks and you're trying to pass, you have to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly. And this quarterback, James Blackman, likes to hold on to the ball and try to make big plays. So, you know, you got to coach that out of them. Um, run blocking last year, non-existent. Mostly all the yards that Cam Akers got. He had to fight <laughs> for his life to get him because the offensive line sucked. So, I don't know, man. Uh, I've been really hard on this offensive line, and rightfully so. I just don't see the light at the end of the tunnel for this position. They didn't they didn't add anybody that I would consider a blue chip player, but most of you, you know, like Clemson, they don't recruit a lot of blue chip offensive linemen. They most of their offensive linemen are three stars, but their program is so good 
right now, okay, we can sit a three-star for two years, get him in the weight room, get a coach him up, and then by that red shirt sophomore year, he's ready to roll. He's a, he's a four or five star when we get him into the program and get him developed. And historically, Florida State, outside of Walter Jones and maybe a couple of other guys, we haven't had really good offensive linemen. So hopefully this new coach, this new offensive line coach who coached uh, in Charlotte last season, I can't think of his name, but hopefully he can come in. I mean, and I have to give uh, the previous offensive line coach some credit. He did a pretty good job. Uh, I forget his name, Randy something. Um, he did a pretty good job with those guys. He got the most that he could get out of those guys from a talent standpoint. Because um, most of those guys were recruited to play in Jimbo's Fish, Jimbo Fisher scheme. And um, it's not really predicated on, okay, you're on an island and you're basically blocking one-on-one. -on -one. They're going to get help from the fullbacks, the tight ends, and it's going to be max protection on a lot of plays. And the, the offense that Willie Taggart was running, you very rarely seen max protection, okay? They're sending out five receivers on every play, and the offensive linemen are blocking one-on-one, -on -one. and most of those guys were not talented enough to block anybody one-on-one. -on -one. When Alabama State or whatever they was, Alabama A&M, whoever that team was last season, when they're getting past your offensive lineman, you got a problem. You have a talent problem. There's no way that Alabama, whoever it was, A&M, Alabama State, should come in there and get to your quarterback. It should never, that should never happen. But they did. Um... So you you have I don't think they're gonna be able to make the jump, basically to answer the question for this segment. No, they're not gonna be able to make the jump. Can they be average enough to get to seven and five, eight and four? Maybe. It depends on it depends on if Norvell is gonna max protect and run this uh hybrid West Coast scheme. That's what it really depends on. So let me know what you think about that segment. Um do you think, next segment is entitled, Do you think Marvin Wilson and Tamori and Terry regret staying after COVID-19 hit? I think they do a little bit. You know, I think they would rather be in the league making money than sitting here, you know, doing, you know, whatever they're doing. And they could have been in the league making money. It's just a natural feeling. It's, it's got to be some regret there. It has to be. I think if all systems were normal, then no, they wouldn't. But now they're just looking at it saying, hey, I could have been in the league. I, I should I could have not been here dealing with this COVID-19 mess. And and now potentially the season might not be played and that's going to hurt my draft stock. Well, both well, both of these guys had pretty good seasons. Marvin Wilson got injured at the end of last season. But Tamori and Terry had a good season. So if they go back and review that game tape, he still might get a mid-level grade. Marvin Wilson will probably still get a late first round, early second round grade, but um, there has to be some regret there. And for a lot of players in college football today that could have went pro last season and chose to stay. Um, 
The one player is not going to hurt is Trevor Lawrence. He's going to be the number one pick regardless, and it probably would help him if there was no season. I mean, he could just go somewhere and say, hey, I'm done with school. I can work out this whole year, improve on my craft, and, you know, I know I'm going to be the number one pick. There's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Really playing this season hurts him if he doesn't go all the way to the college football playoff championship or just the playoff. Um, so let me know what you think about that segment. Um, that concludes this episode. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, it's available on YouTube, all podcast platforms. Please wear a mask. Please social distance. Um, please do your research on flu and respiratory, um, viruses. And as always, go Noles.